Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999 Podcast Like It's 1999. I'm your host, Phil Liskov. And with us today is executive producer, showrunner, creator of Roswell, New Mexico, Karina McKenzie. I'm very excited to have you here to talk about uh, episode 202, The List, uh, the infamous episode, the one where uh, some might say it all goes to shit. <laughs> some people might say that it that it turns a corner and becomes a really interesting show. I'm in the latter camp, obviously. But uh, yeah, so here we are to talk about the haircut heard around the world. But before we talk about that, I want to rewind a little bit and ask you where you were in 1999. Um, in 1999, I was 12. I turned 13 at the end of the, de- end of December. So I'm old. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, I, uh, it's funny because I, um, Roswell, the, fir- the original Roswell started in 99 too. And I get people asking me all the time, like, did you work on the original? And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> Really busy in social studies class. <laughs> Trying to first of all, like I think that's a football. <laughs> you, you do you do not look like you were writing on Roswell. Let me just put that out there. Thank I think that's a, that is a crazy <laughs> thing for someone to to ask. But anyway, I appreciate that. Yeah, um, yeah but 1999 has become this weirdly pivotal like year in my life, and it turned it. You know, when I was I was like, you know, hoping to have my first kiss during a truth or dare. <laughs> game or something like you know writing in my diary about what it might be like to somebody someday kiss a boy (laughs) (laughs) and also running a television show apparently (laughs) yeah apparently apparently um so you uh weren't watching television in 1999 is that true okay so i was not allowed to watch tv as a kid which is crazy so my 
I know. My theory is, is that if my parents had just let me watch TV when I was a kid, that by now I would be like a rocket scientist <laughs> or a doctor or like right. a civil rights lawyer, or like something they could really sink their teeth into. Mm-hmm. But instead, um, they I, they wouldn't let me watch TV. I used to sneak down to the basement of my house, and we had like an old TV with like antenna. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would plug it in and sit one inch away from the screen with my hand on the plug and listen for my mom coming down the stairs. And if she, I heard her a creak on the stairs, I would unplug the whole TV and it would go like, like the, you know, the screen would sort of like shut yeah. down into that, yeah. like, like little like implosion. And then <laughs> yep. I'd like jump up and pretend that I was like playing foosball alone or like. <laughs> so TV um, was contraband for you. It was, it was I was, okay. I remember I really wanted to watch Dawson's Creek because everybody at school watched Dawson's Creek. And if I didn't watch Dawson's Creek, then I had nothing to say on Thursdays. Um, and I used to ride my bike to my friend's house and watch Dawson's Creek on Wednesdays trying to, or I would like sneak into the basement to try to watch it. Um, but yeah. And now my dog's name is Pacey. I like my parents. <laughs> yeah. I, it's funny because I guess if, who knows? Maybe they did the right thing because my great rebellion was watching WB teen dramas instead of like getting high or like sure, sure. tattooing myself. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so you were, you tried to watch Dawson's Creek in 99. My, my assumption is you were not watching Felicity when it was airing in 1999. I wasn't. I watched okay. Dawson's Creek. Um, and, and that was pretty much it. That was pretty much all the TV that I was watching. I was like, sometimes my mom would let us watch, um, TJF, uh, but sure. with her while she uh-huh. was present, because like God forbid, Sabrina the teenage witch get racy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's very funny, but yes, I watched Felicity. So Felicity came into my life. My friend Amy Kaufman, who is now a very big deal writer for the LA Times, um, was one of my best friends in high school, and she um, loved Felicity. And when we were in college, I went to school at University of Colorado. And I had kind of a rough time my freshman year and I started considering transferring Mm -hmm. and Amy was like, you have to watch Felicity. And literally the summer between my (laughs) freshman and sophomore year of college, Amy and I watched Felicity and like getting the Netflix DVDs, like like two at a time or whatever and sending them Uh back. Remember? And then we went to New York for a couple of weeks and we like took pictures of ourselves on subways and like dramatic, like like black and white, you know, photos yeah, yeah. of us like wearing like very Felicity outfits. Yeah. It was like 2005. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was done by then. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and I actually applied to like four schools in New York and then decided ultimately to stay, stay in Colorado. Cause my parents were like, you're never going to live in Colorado again in your life. You're always going to be a coast person. So enjoy Colorado. But yeah, I literally almost like, changed everything and and Pulled went Felicity. to the new school yep. or NYU or whatever yep. because of Felicity. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> Did you feel like it helped you through the experience a little bit? Because I imagine, I mean, I, I was in my first year of college when Felicity started and I watched the first season, most of the second season, I think, when it was on and then I kind of tapped out and I, I went back and watched it eventually, but it was not my college experience. Just to be clear, I went to film school in Toronto. Like it was not like this, but did this help you through some stuff or no? Um, I don't know. I think it like gave me sort of like this idyllic idea of what I wanted college to be, but like, 
I don't know. They're such good kids on Felicity. Like (laughs) they're like, they're like what your parents want you to like be when you go to college. I was not such a good kid. I was getting in trouble. I was like, you know, stirring up shit. And I think there was, there's this like line because my first year of college was the first year that Facebook opened up um, to like, everyone it, for, yeah. for, at first it was like just the ivies and then my about halfway through my first year of college it opened up to everyone and that changed things a lot it i think it like it it you know it changed the way that we interacted socially so much sure. that this like very like let's wear sweaters and talk about our feelings and worry about virginity thing like went away <laughs> um so i i think it in I was just saying before we started recording, watching it last night was like taking a Xanax. Like it was so soothing. (laughs) And I think that if anything, that's what it was for me was like, I could disappear from like actual stresses of my social life and being hung over in class and all this thing. And then disappear into my room and watch one disc worth of (laughs) like, what if I was just trying to decide between being an artist and being a doctor and that was the great stress of my life right now <laughs> so this feels like a, a an opportunity to talk about so you, you tweeted last night about how it's a lot of looks and pauses oh and... my god <laughs> so my question to you is this you know you obviously you work on a show you've created this show um you you wrote about television before um... yeah i was a journalist and i wrote i i covered tv before i became a tv writer right so you 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 know a lot about television and it feels like felicity is a bit of an anomaly i would say yeah in the sense of how much air there is in it i mean Um, it's wild to me how much air there was in it (laughs) because all i do my greatest stress as a television writer is fitting everything that i want to fit into the limited amount of time that I have yeah. to tell the story. I mean, literally sometimes I'm in the edit room and I'm like, okay, well you have her, you know, zipping up her jacket after she speaks. Can we layer it, put those things on top of each other? So she speaks while zipping up her jacket. So we lose that half second of time. <laughs> and I can put that half second of time later after the kiss so that it doesn't like it's yeah. the, um, the, the amount of space that I try to cut out of my show and then they've just got Felicity and Ben like looking at each other wistfully while they try to figure out what to say. And I'm sitting there like, well, they know what to say. It's in the script. Say it. Spit it out. Like, <laughs> it's, it's really, I mean, I've obviously talked a lot on the podcast about why I think the show is special. But one of the things I think that does make it special is that it lets you sit in these moments, right? Which is Which real is, life. Right. Like right. in real life, you're not, you know, coming up with the witty comeback every two seconds, but it is really weird to watch now. Um, you know, I, I will say they did have a little more time. Like yeah. there was, yeah. there was a couple, those, those few minutes of commercials that they've now packed into shows that are, yeah. it, that, that takes time, but they also just, their, their stories were like, they got to tell, you know, I have to have a life or, life or death story on my show every single week. Yep. So yep. they, Obviously, there's a lot more urgency to it. Um, but yeah, there was something so magical and special about the the these long moments where it's just air and it's just leaving the characters to think about what they've done and leaving, yeah. leaving the audience to think about what's going to happen next. And 
but it is a it is an adjustment watching it now oh, for, for sure. sure for sure because it's like when you think about the fact that and we're obviously going to talk about this in this episode but when you think about the fact that her haircut is seismic like it it yeah. literally i cannot whereas, wait to talk about this haircut <laughs> but it's just crazy to me to think that there was a time when that could exist on television it's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm going to give a brief synopsis here. Uh, Felicity begins to question her values when one of her advisees uh, seems to have better luck using tips from an article in a women's magazine. Felicity notices that Ben has a funny look on his face, like he's unhappy. She tries to make herself uh, make herself over to please him, but taking things casually isn't Felicity's style, and she decides to call it quits with Ben rather than compromise herself. Meanwhile, Julie lightens up in a major way when she holds a blowout party at Sean's. The List aired on October 3rd, 1999. It was written by Jennifer Levin and directed by Barnett Kelman. Um, so let's just let's just dive right into the hair. Let's just because to me it's like okay. it's the big thing here. Uh, I need to read a quote from JJ Abrams in the New York Times uh, from 1999. He said, "We take full responsibility for the idea of cutting her hair. People revolted against the look and the show. She's so gorgeous. We thought, who cares how long her hair is? The answer came back pretty quickly. Frankly, we thought of extensions and all sorts of things. Finally, it's growing back. You would think that this was state secrets or some sort of a government. It's it's crazy. It's like the 1999 version of a notes app apology <laughs> that like a celebrity to- makes totally. a gaffe or says something shitty mm-hmm. and like has to write an apology in a notes app and post it. Mm-hmm. Like that's yep. what this was. Yeah. And honestly, it's like a beautiful woman gets a haircut and the the world implodes. It just <laughs> I I mean, just I work for Warner, but like decisions this still affects decisions that are made today. When I made my pilot, when I made my pilot, the actor's hair had to go through so many stages of approval before it was like, I mean, I think every single single actor on my show is about to shave their head being like, oh my God, when is it going to be done? Like it, because it's just, it became this huge thing. And for me now as a showrunner, I, at this point, like kind of stay out of the hair conversation because I get freaked out by this. I don't want this to be my legacy. <laughs> so like I kind of let the actors on my show do like we have, we have one character who's a soldier, mm-hmm. but the actor really doesn't like to have his hair in a regulation cut. And so he's, oh. he's like, I just want to grow it out and bring it out. And at a certain point I was just like, you know what? It's your head. Like I can deal with, I don't, whatever. <laughs> I don't want to be yeah. responsible for anybody's terrible haircut. <laughs> like, it's, it's a crazy thing. It's also, I mean, so I, I, I need to ask you, what did you think of the haircut? Did you think like it was it. okay? And and I no, think I remember that, not liking it as a kid. I remember right. I didn't even watch the show, and I remember being like, "Oh, why they do that to her?" Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I mean, I, I mean, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty. My guess is that if they could do it again, they wouldn't have been as severe about the haircut. Like it's yeah. very short. They could have uh, made such. And a, got these weird little a, things. Yeah, they could have made a. A, a big statement with a much different cut, but she like, she had that like really specific, super curly hair that everybody wanted in the nineties, by the way, it was like yeah. her and Jesse Spano. Um, and, and it was so cool, but like, but yeah, it was a very close crop later on. I mean, a few years later, Justin Timberlake had that same exact haircut. 
Yes, it's true. It his looked like ramen though, but hers yeah. didn't look as, as well because he because he wasn't a boy band. So he there's a certain amount of hair product that has to be <laughs> consumed every month by a boy band, or they're kicked out of the boy band club. <laughs> so he had to put a lot of crunch in there. Sure. But during bye sure. bye bye, like I bet if you I bet if he washed if he air dried his hair during the bye 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 era, it would look exactly like Carrie Russell's. <laughs> <laughs> what i'm here for so i I love this um so i guess so here's the thing uh and i want to talk to you about sort of season finales and season premieres because it feels kind of like the season one finale which i would argue is is perhaps the best episode of the show or certainly one of them um it's incredible leads into J.J. Abrams kind of doing what J.J. Abrams does, which is he kind of blows up the show at the end of season one and then tries to figure out how to put it back together again. Um, and then through another series of grenades, continues to blow up the show over the course of two episodes at the top of season two. And I, so as a showrunner, I guess my question is, are you ever tempted to do things like that? And if you are, how do you sort of navigate the minefield of doing something like that? I mean, kind of, because... So the, the season one finale of Roswell, New Mexico ended. We didn't know if we had a if we if we had a pickup for season two yet. Right, and it ended on like five huge cliffhangers. Right, that were really so big that I had like our finale aired on a Tuesday, and we got picked up for season two on a Wednesday. And my first thought when I got the phone call from the president of the network, Mark Pedowitz, I hung up the phone. And I went, oh shit! I have to figure out how to fix what I blew up at the end of the season. <laughs> I and I think I kind of did that again in season two, which I can't really talk about. But at the end of season two, sure. there's some shit that, like, when we were like, when we got back to the writers' room for season three, all of the writers kind of stared at me like, okay, what's your plan? What's the, what are we gonna do? And I just kind of stared back at them and was like, I don't know. Right. What do we got, guys? Like, right. The there's and I think that on a show like Felicity where the stakes are, I don't want to. They're not even lower. They're just so different. Because when you're in college, the stakes of who, which boy are you going to choose for your road trip are very big stakes. Right. But like the the temptation to push things and push things and push things is there. I remember season one when she lost her virginity to that art guy. I was like devastated and this was not me at 12 by the way this was me at 19 being like no yeah it was devastating and this sort of comes to, to my to my second question which is that i do feel like in today's landscape we're a lot more plotty we're a lot more sort of like Things need to happen all the time. And character is baked into those things. Mm -hmm. But character in terms of emotion isn't at the forefront as much as it maybe used to be in the sense of sort of big moves need to happen. Think about this episode in particular. Ben and Felicity break up three times in this episode. (laughs) And like, it's a very slow, like, oh, I broke up with her, but did I really want to? Let me go stare at her a little and think about it and like talk about it. Yeah, I think, I think it was like, I was, I wrote down last night, I was like writing down things that I wanted to talk about. And one of the things that I wrote down was just the quote, I don't know what to say. Like three times in the episode, they were like, I don't know what to say. And I kept thinking like, I could never do that on my show because I don't have time for people to figure out, like I say whatever you would have gotten to an hour later, I need you to say right now (laughs) on my show. But with Felicity, it's like, it's okay that it takes Ben 
three days and a bunch of backpedaling and changing his mind and stuff to decide what he wants. And ultimately Felicity has to decide what she wants. And that takes the entire episode. Which is crazy. It would be like an explosive breakup at the end of an episode. And then the next week she's, you know, moved on, trying to find somebody else to fall in love with um, or hating his new girlfriend (laughs) or whatever. And so the living and the emotion of it certainly is different, but it's funny because one of the things that, that that does to us is it makes us remember what that feels like. Yeah. You know, it makes us the, the, the thing that blows my mind about Felicity when I watch it now is how embarrassed I am all the time while I'm watching it. Like just sitting there like, Oh no, you didn't say that. Why are you saying that? Please don't say it again. You're going to say it again. And like, (laughs) and like I, it's a lot of that is because of the long pauses that they give you to really think about Stewing what's it. about to yeah. happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I have a question, but I want to read a quote here, uh, a line that Felicity has at the end of this episode, because it leads into my question, which is at the end of the episode, we're going to jump around, but at the end of the episode, Felicity confronts Ben um, and says, I'm an emotional person. I feel things and I need to be able to get upset and to talk about how I'm feeling. I mean, that's just who I am. I can't change it. I don't want to. And the thing is, you knew that you knew it and you still pursued me because you want something with me. You're just not strong enough to have it, which in a way makes you a coward. And that's fucking amazing to me that like that, that the show had not just the balls to do it, but I love the empowerment of Felicity in this show of her figuring out the person she wants to be, the person she wants to be with. And that that can be the ultimate grenade to blow up the show for at least a season is incredible to me. It's so interesting because they, um, they let her be so emotionally immature at times. And then when it really counts, she really like likes herself. And I think that that was something that was really, you know, different then and really kind of empowering to see now is that she doesn't come in and apologize for being an emotional person. She doesn't apologize for using the word word love, (laughs) maybe a little prematurely. (laughs) She doesn't, she doesn't even really feel that embarrassment that I feel watching it. (laughs) Um, Honestly, she just is kind of, she, she, she doesn't hate herself for those things. Though there is a really good line in this episode where she says something along the lines of, I don't like my heart right now. Yeah. Um, like I'm following my heart, but I don't, what is I it? Hold like on. It. I'm going to find it. Yeah. I wrote it down. I hate my heart right now. She says, yeah. and I was like, Oh, that's a really good line. But she does sort of like, she does lean into how she feels and calling him out on it. And basically being like, you know, that's who I am. And you wanted it to change. You thought you, you, I don't know if it was so much about like whether he wanted her to change or whether he just kind of wanted her to put that part of herself in a little box and leave it and set it aside for him for a while was what it felt like. Um, But he can't even argue it. He doesn't argue it. He just says, I don't know what to say. I mean, he, he, he can't argue it because I would argue uh, Ben is a flawed character at this point in the show and they have the All of the points in the show fell. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say it, but like he at least this season is about him sort of growing to some degree or another. Um, but I, you know, one of the things that I found really interesting as I was talking about the, um, I talked about the finale with uh, Michael Oziello, and we talked about sort of why it works so well. And, and I think one of the reasons that Ben 
bothers me sometimes is that he doesn't actually love Felicity. He loves the way she looks at him and the way she sees him and the way she makes him feel, which is a really narcissistic and shitty thing to do to another yeah. human being who genuinely cares about you. Um, and I appreciate that in this episode, Felicity throws it back in his face and says, you're a fucking coward. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He wants yeah. her, he wants her to make him feel good, yeah. but he doesn't want her to overwhelm him with all of her annoying girl feelings. <laughs> um, yeah, really. He just wants it to be like chill. He just wants her to be hot yeah. all the time and just open to him. And it's available when he wants her to be available, but then he ditches her and just doesn't show up to Bryant park yeah. and she eats a sad croissant sandwich in the park alone. How sad is that moment? It's the saddest <laughs> croissant I've ever seen in my life. Um, I also think that this folds well into what I think the theme of this episode, which is uh, be honest with yourself. Don't let others dictate the type of person you want to be, the choices that you want to make. Fuck what others think. Let your freak flag Mm -hmm. fly, all of that. Um, And I I just, I love that this episode is about that. And, you know, the Gretchen storyline, which is essentially that there's this girl uh, who's one of her advisees and she's dating a boy uh, who clearly you know, doesn't respect her. And she's sort of doing, I guess it's, and forgive me, but like Cosmo does these lists, right? Yeah, is that it's what like it is? A, it, they call it girl world on the show, but it's just like a Cosmo mag, like ways to get your man to love you. <laughs> Which she Put starts doing. on your nipples. <laughs> is that a thing, by the way? I guess. I've never, I've never heard listen, of it. Listen, Phil, I sure. don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but I think that it's, you know, it might not be the most subtle. I mean, it's, it's still television, but... I really love what it brings out in Felicity. Uh, the episode is called The List, based on this list. And she respects herself enough to sort of pick and choose the things she's willing to do on the list, but she still she does, does not things. put blush on her nipples. <laughs> not that we, we know, know. of. <laughs> um, but, but there yeah, is that, like, it's, it's such an interesting thing because the show is on team don't change yourself for a man, right? Yeah. But the camera isn't. The camera is like panning up Felicity's body while she's in a sexy red dress and adjusting the heel of her stiletto. And it is, it's, I thought it was very interesting that they still, even in this, this episode, that's like very, 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 don't change yourself for a man. You don't have to dress up in a red dress. They're still using the male gaze with that camera. And like, that's yeah. not a shot you see of Felicity when she's in her mom jeans and her brown sweater. So they lean in, they do. And I think that it's, it's an interesting thing to watch as like a person who's, you know, a filmmaker, essentially, I, I haven't directed yet, but I want to, you think a lot about whose eyes are these, cam- this, is this camera supposed to be? And they use that shot, like that is an, it's an iconic shot of yeah, her adjusting her heel. And then it pans up. She's wearing this like backless slinky red dress. And they use it a lot in promotion for the show. And, and, and still it's supposed to be like not really who Felicity is. So I, thought, I think it's interesting to think I think I, I, I truly thought the same thing. Uh, as soon as she walks down the hall in the dress with her, with her hair really being showcased because it's all about to go away. Right. <laughs> so they're, they're so really – The hair is just flying. It's everywhere. <laughs> um, and I did think to myself – I mean, listen, she looks great. She's a beautiful woman, but there is a, there is a way that it's, it's trying to have his cake and eat it too, right? Where yeah. it's, tr- and, and, and that's, I agree with you is, it's a little tricky. It's a male director, mostly male directors back in that time. Um, so I would agree with you. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate. It also does prove a point, which mm-hmm. is that 
Ben obviously is a fucking moron who immediately is like, right. oh, look it how works she is. on Ben. It works right. on Ben for sure. So and then I was trying to figure out if it worked on Noel too, or if Noel was just because because the, the 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 shot from listen, I'm a, I'm a Noel fan, Team yeah, Noel yeah. all the way. Oh, please, but yeah. the the shot from Noel's perspective was not like elevator eyes. It was literally she's in an elevator and yes. he's watching her, but he's. You don't feel like he's like, holy shit, Felicity's dress. You feel like he's like, why is she going upstairs with Ben? Yeah. And I think that the, the the eyes of the camera did very different things there. And it was interesting because it, it really leaned into the difference between a boy and a man, in my opinion. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, in, in, in the next episode, she literally says to Noel, like, what was I thinking? Like, mm-hmm. what was she thinking? <laughs> um, but it's it's... It's interesting to see sort of how they try to – they don't, generally speaking, do this to Felicity very often. More times than no. not, her hair is up and she's wearing a sweater. <laughs> so, yeah. like, it's not – this is a they're, – they're making a statement with this. Um, speaking of the hair being up, I spoke to Lawrence Trilling, who uh, did uh, did some episodes uh, at the end of – did 14 episodes in general. And I asked her about the fact that her hair is up a lot – in the premiere and in this episode and whether or not that was a conscious effort to prepare the audience for the fact that her hair was about to get cut off. He claims it wasn't. He said it was just really hot and that Carrie didn't like her hair being all over her neck, which is totally fair, but I'm choosing to believe that it was part of what I think it is because it does kind of prepare me a little bit for it. They don't do it at all in season one. And I just wonder whether or not it, it does sort of make me go like, it's weird when it's up, but like, I don't know. That anything could have prepared us for this <laughs> seismic shift in culture. Um, it's, it's nuts. It's nuts. But if it was that, then I applaud the effort. I mean, who knows? You know, her being the heat. They shot in L.A., right? Yes, we shot a the couple heat in days. L.A. in July when you start filming an episode. Like she could have been like, please yeah. chop it off. You know, for real though. Um, yeah, they shot it in like a warehouse in Culver City. It wasn't even a, like on a lot or anything like that. Yeah, is, yeah. So, um, so, so you, been brought, there. you brought up Noel. <laughs> Yes, um, no. let's talk a little bit about his storyline in this episode, which is mm-hmm. Noel doesn't know how to ask out a girl. <laughs> yes. Um, not the strongest of storylines, but it is. Okay. First of all, the, the show pretending for four years that Scott Foley isn't hot is hilarious <laughs> to me for fucking years. I mean, even last night I was watching it and I was like, Sean's good looking. Even great. Like yeah, even yeah, Sean yeah. is like, yeah. anyway, yeah. but one, that's really funny. There was a moment where at the, they were at the, uh, uh, Nolan and Elena were at the restaurant mm-hmm. and Elena made some comment in front of the waiter that implied that, uh, Noel was a virgin. And then, a few seconds later, he stands up and I'm looking at him and I'm like, you are like clearly a 30 something year old man. Like, <laughs> like, come on. Like yeah. he's worried about somebody. Anyway, yeah. I just, so funny, <laughs> but it is an interesting storyline because it really, really mirrors, um, Felicity's storyline. Elena is essentially making Noel a list of things he needs to do, yep. but I, but the show doesn't really lean into the fact that she's trying to no. change him. <laughs> the show isn't like, Come on, Noel, you don't have to be that guy. Like, just, they're just trying to make it better. <laughs> I mean, he is he's he's really an asshole to her the premiere. Mm-hmm. So they're really trying to make us just mm-hmm. be like, Noel's sweet, right? Yeah. Um, yeah which I which I which I get. Um it just it it unfortunately felt a little repetitive. It felt like they kind of they did the same beats a couple times, which I was a yes. little bit, you know. Yeah, they did the same beats a couple times. And I also it, I was I remember 
I've, it frustrated me that he was such an asshole to her. I guess that's what you're sort of talking about when you say like they blow up the show is like they take their nice guy and turn him into a total dick. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to watch. I think it's, it, it does make you feel like you're doing this for, for. Planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. For shock value, maybe, or like, because the plot doesn't work if everybody's great to each other, but you created a bunch of great characters. Yeah. I don't know. I remember on, um, to, to totally as an aside, on Gilmore Please. Girls, I remember that Dean was great. And Dean would read all the same books that Rory was reading and talk to her about them. And then Jess came in and suddenly Dean like didn't know how to read anymore. Like suddenly the, the, like they were like, Dean knows how to make a car, but he can't spell. And it was like, you had to make this, the other guy worse or, or maybe not even worse, just like create a bigger like contrast between them. Um, Which is such a like, you know, the love interest, the, the love triangle you always want to be the, between the bad boy and the good one. Yep. But on this show, it's like, I don't know, neither of them falls into that category properly. <clears throat> it's, I, I, this actually leads to a question that I want to ask you about love triangles in general. Because it does feel mm-hmm. like this show is, is kind of the quintessential one for me a little bit. Yes. Like it, it does it really well. I think there's a bunch of factors. Fate plays a, a hand in the casting to some degree or another. But there, there's a part of me that feels like, Milking a love triangle successfully for a hundred episodes of television, that is not an easy task. No. I don't need to tell you that. So it's I guess my question to you is I would, like to, I would just do, like to say yeah, to please. anybody who watches Roswell, New Mexico who's listening to this, I promise I'm not gonna milk a love triangle for a hundred episodes of television. <laughs> Calm down. It'll be over soon. <laughs> but don't but don't you feel like I, I mean, I, I hate to do this because it does feel like this is a little bit of a trope, but it is the journey. It's not the destination, right? You yeah. have to enjoy the will they, won't they. And once it's gone, you find yourself wistfully looking backwards and saying to yourself, oh, I wish that I had that back again. So I will say that as a watch, as a viewer, as a TV yeah. viewer, I'm not like a shipper. And I never have been. Even when I was 12 and sneaking downstairs to watch Dawson's Creek, I wasn't like, if she doesn't end up with Pacey, I will die and burn down Kevin Williamson's house. What I, what I did get excited about was when things would shift. Like, you know, she spent X amount of time madly in love with Dawson. And then you start to slowly watch her fall for Pacey and you're like, Ooh, things are changing. And then it's, it's graduation and she's been with Pacey all year and Pacey broke her heart, but now it's graduation. And Oh my gosh, she's looking at Dawson again. And I'll get excited about that too. And so that's how I feel as a writer is like the best part of, 
watching people fall in and out of love on TV is the part the Kevin Williamson calls it the like the sweaty hands, the, the sweaty palms, shaky knees part of the love story. And I love that. And so I don't mind watching Felicity sort of the ebb and flow between Ben and Noel because I'm always down for for what the next turn is going to be. I think one of I my favorite more. my favorite scenes. It doesn't take place in 1999, so I don't know. If I'm no, no, to talk about, about it. Talk about it. Talk about <laughs> but it. But when she does have that like rooftop moment with Noel later on, mm-hmm. I can't. I think it's the top it's, of season four. She has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a Ryan Adams song playing, and it's like just really fucking perfect. I that's one of my favorite scenes of TV, and it comes kind of it's a little bit of an out of character move and it's kind of shocking, but it's like, it, it's just so juicy to watch. And I think they did that really well. Yeah. I, milking it for a hundred episodes. It's not easy. I mean, it's, it's a crazy thing. And I, and I think mm-hmm. that part of the reason that it works is the choice they made up top of season two, which is, you know, Lauren Sterling talked about how hard it was to direct that scene between uh, Carrie Russell and Scott Foley because both of them were just like, this is awful and I, I hate mm-hmm. this. But you had to have Felicity get kicked in the teeth pretty significantly at the top of season two. So she's putting herself back together again, essentially through the remainder of the, of the series. Um, yeah. It's... But again, it's 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 so interesting to me how this show, how these small moves feel so seismic um, in a way that feels very sort of almost Cameron Crowe in these sort of like oh, yeah. small moments feel big. That um, rooftop kiss in, in this episode between Ben and Felicity is like, it's what, like arguably one of the sexiest things that has happened or does mm-hmm. ever happen on the show. And they're mm-hmm. not having sex in the scene. They're just kissing. But it's like you want, you know. For a minute, you're you're Ben. You're the elevator eyes guy, and you're just like, oh my god, please! Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's true, it's true. Um, so th- throughout this episode, we have Sean kind of on Ben's shoulder the whole time, saying, you know, you're not ready for her, you're not ready for her, and he's right. I mean, he's he's older. He feels like he has some some wisdom to to impart on him, but but I think that it works because it is the audience also saying he's not ready for this. Like it's mm-hmm. just not, it doesn't, it doesn't feel right. Um, yeah. I also, it's so interesting because I, this is the episode when I started to like Sean. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I, I really felt, I hate meddlers on TV mm-hmm. and I felt like he was sort of there to meddle. Yep. And then in this episode, I found myself really rooting for him with Julie. And I was like, I damn it. <laughs> that doesn't play out well, <laughs> but no, it doesn't, but, but I Megan, always root for the underdog him and Megan are great together. I loved their relationship. Yeah. And, and Megan is, as I said before, kind of my MVP of this show. I think she's, oh. it must've been so much fun to write Megan. Um, and to see her transition from being, um, you know, I don't want to say a caricature in season one, but she just wasn't fully fleshed out until she sort of, as we yeah, become the series regular. Like, who I mean, your freshman roommate is kind of a caricature in real life. <laughs> Right. They're just like this, like invader into your space. Like eventually, they become a person to you. But at first, they're just like a person who you're just like. What does hair elastic on the door mean? What the fuck? Um, <laughs> yeah, they're an alien but, to your world for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's spectacular. She's really fun in this episode too. The, sh- the oh my god, the, the box is, just, is the fucking best. Yeah, it's the best. And the Twilight Zone episode with the box that they. The, the, it's just. It's all. It's just great. Um, I like this Twilight Zone episode with the box. I don't like the let's go back in time and ruin Noel and Felicity a, a second time thing and they do at the end. But I'll give JJ the Twilight Zone episode with the box. 
<laughs> well, you know, it's funny, and this I, I I I do really want to hear your thoughts on this. So, so you know, obviously, you know, they they asked for an episode order of Felicity's final season. They wrote a finale, they finished the show, and then the WB is like, actually, can Shot you give a us perfect more? finale? Yeah, it's great. A it's beautiful great. finale, directed by Scott Foley, by the way. Yeah, pretty great. badass. Yeah, and then they tack four more episodes onto the show. <laughs> but my question to you is this: If someone said to you, "Well, you finished your show." But you can do a four-episode, essentially epilogue. I mean, I, I don't want to put you, you in the spot. Yes. You say yes. You say yes. You say right? yes because right. that is four episodes of pay for your crew. Absolutely. And at the end, what your job is, a lot of my job as a showrunner, is balancing what is like happening in my brain as an artist yep. <laughs> and what's happening in my brain as a person who is running a very big business. Um, and so, yeah, you say yes to the four episodes. I'll tell you, last season of Roswell for season two, they never told us how many episodes they were ordering for us. It oh. was, we were, they were going back and forth between 13 episodes and 16 episodes the whole season. And it wasn't until I had turned in episode 11 that they said, yep, it's just, just 13, which sucks because it's a murder mystery of sorts. And so then I have to pack all of the, the reveals. I had to, I had to sort of, I couldn't plan for either of them because right. if I had been planning for like, okay, we have 16 episodes, then I have, then they suddenly cut it short and then I have too much to pack into the, the stories, which is kind of what ended up happening. But if I had planned for only, th- only 13 mm-hmm. and then they had extended it by three, my characters would have looked dumb because all the clues would have been there to solve the, the mystery and they still don't have, they have to wait three more episodes to solve yeah. it. So I was like going back and forth between those two things all season and it was really hard. Um, and so I feel for the, you know, the powers that be that suddenly they've graduated Felicity from college and now they have to do four more episodes. However, <laughs> let's introduce time travel is not the way that I would have gone with that. I, um, I agree. <laughs> I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, but I, I mean, what I, I felt like as a, like, as a Noel fan yes, and a person who was very much team Noel. Sure. I got to the end of the series to the, to the episode that was supposed to be the finale. And mm-hmm. I wasn't happy with her choice, but I felt satisfied by it because the end of the show was Noel and Felicity sitting together at the airport and kind of thinking like, you know, you, we wouldn't change it like, or, or sort of thinking about the idea that like, there's a whole other world in which we, a different choice was made. And what would that look like? And that's real life, right? You look back on moments in your life and you're like, man, that was that I didn't know at the time, but that was my sliding doors moment. And that was a really satisfying ending to me, even as a Noel fan, but then to have them answer that question of what if we'd made a different choice? And the answer is our friend would have died and there would have been a, f- and the school would have burned down what <laughs> and it would have been all along like you don't even leave me my fan fiction to write yeah. about what would have happened if she just yeah. fucking chose Noel from the beginning you won't even let me have that jj abrams someday i'm gonna meet jj abrams at a party and i'm gonna be like please to talk to you sir please sit down can i get you a pigs in a blanket because this is gonna be a while <laughs> i do love that that's the thing you'd confront him on though 100%. of all the television that he's made i do love that that's the one the I agree. it's very strange. that's it like do whatever you want with lost whatever people should have known that they weren't gonna whatever but the last four episodes of felicity were a betrayal i I don't disagree with you i i I think that it's more of it's more of like in theory a sliding doors thing is interesting yeah they just they overcommit to it and they go too big with it 
which is weird for a show that People was all about small moments. People die and there's fire. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's great. Um, I oh, so speaking of small moments, one of my favorite moments in this episode is actually a sad moment. But uh, Felicity in the back room gives Ben the photo she took during oh. the trip, and she says, "Aren't you going to look at them?" And the look That's on her face, I mean. she's so excited, she's so expectant, and then he crushes her with just not giving a fuck. Yeah. That's what I mean about the embarrassment. It's because <laughs> they make you live in that moment of her being like so hopeful, so hopeful. And the thing is, we've all fucking been there. Yep. We've all fucking been like, look at this great picture. Okay, cool. You know? Like, <laughs> like we've all been that person. I don't know a single person who hasn't in one way or another had an unrequited love in their life, whether it's like only kind of requited or whatever. Like, and it's so, it's such a feeling. It's such a, an easy feeling to call back. Like you can be solid in a relationship, love, love the person that you're with so much. And then you watch an episode of TV like that. And you're like, Oh yeah, that's what that felt like. Oh yeah. (laughs) And it's so visceral. It's so like, I wanted to curl up in the fetal position last night and just be like, oh, make it stop. Look at the photo. God damn it. But the thing is, the yeah. show does it so brilliantly because then later on, when he wants when he wants her again, yeah. he's looked at the photos. Oh, no. And it's and, a great and, photo of her, too. And you win he, he wins her back by by taking that moment that made her feel so uncomfortable. Yep. And he just undoes it. And there's such a, a feeling of like I don't know. My friend, this is such a just chatting, but my friend Mink is an, is a singer and she wrote this song that just came out called elsewhere. And I've listened to it 1 million times over the course of quarantine. <laughs> um, highly recommend it. Okay. But there's, it's, it's about that being at a party, just hoping that one, that one person's going to show up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they said they were going to show up and they're like not showing up. And you're kind of like, why did I invest in this person? They obviously aren't excited. And then they show up and you forget entirely about the two hours that you just spent thinking about why did I invest in this person? Because then now they're here and it's all gone. And that's kind of what that moment is with Felicity is it's like, she's like, he didn't look at the photos and she's seen, you feel it. You feel her like, Oh no, this isn't balanced. This, uh, uh, the way that I feel isn't the way that you feel. And then when he comes back and he's like, it was a great photo. And we, and she says, we looked happy. Like he just wins her back right away. Like, <laughs> well, so I easy. think that- it's what I so this 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 ties into so one of the myriad of breakups they have in this episode. He goes back to her room and he tries to sort of open up a little bit and has a little bit of wherewithal to explain that he's scared of her expectations of him. Which and then is he listened to the tapes. And then he listened to the tapes. But which is an enormous invasion of privacy. Um but the the idea that Ben is sort of teetering on cognizance. <laughs> is interesting that he sort of is like okay i you know i'm dealing with your expectations of me and my expectations of myself and all those sort of things do make him complex and interesting it's mm-hmm. just wow I, I mean it's just um he he doesn't know how to process this and then felicity smacks him down with his lack of being able to process it the thing that's so interesting is like he is self-aware and still chooses the shitty road. Like he still chooses the road of, I'm not going to be the good guy, even though he's really aware of the fact that there are two choices here and two people that he could be and a version. I think he, he's just like, 
He knows that there's a, a man he wants to be. He's choosing not to be that man right now. And that to me is one very interesting as far as like who he is as a character and, and as far as a writing choice too, to take your lead guy and make them just do something that's kind of shitty. And it's not a mistake. It's not an accident. It's just kind of a shitty thing that he does. Yep. It's a bold choice. Honestly. It is. I mean, he's, he's, yeah, he, he recognizes his faults and in theory, you know, by the end of this season, he has grown and fixed himself or at least that's what they'd like us to believe. Um, I don't know. I think teetering on the edge of cognizance is is a good way to describe Ben for all four seasons of Felicity, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I can't disagree with that. Um, I do love that Megan loves that Ben listened to the tape because she's just she just loves the drama of it. Yeah. Um, Michael Pena is great in the episode playing Brian Burke, which is a ridiculous thing in that's and of itself. Name. Yes. Okay. It's I couldn't remember a lot. Yeah. They, no, they call lot. him Berkey. <laughs> That's anyway. a, that's that is a thing to unpack. Yeah, the, the like one of very few characters of color on your show, and you make them Brian Burke. <laughs> <laughs> um, can we just talk for a second about Sean's loft apartment and why it's an absolute fantasy that no one could possibly afford or live in said apartment? But I yeah. love it; it's great. But no one could live in it. I mean, literally, that doesn't exist in New York City anymore. Yeah, it's, and if it's it ridiculous. did, it's like Elon Musk lives there. <laughs> Um, I, I want to talk just for a quick second about other people's hair in this episode, because okay. obviously the show became very hair focused, but the waitress's hair is crazy 90s, oh, that, like, that weird like spiky the, the, thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then Bridget is doing a zigzag um, part in oh, her hair. Yeah. Yeah. The, the zigzag part. By the way, I think we're, I think it's coming back. The zigzag part? Yeah, I really do. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm I'm not hating it. I have this theory that we're all going to emerge from quarantine and just like want to do stuff like, like we're going to want to like, like, you know, there was a time when people were were like gluing gemstones to their face, not for Coachella, but for like a normal day. Like people are just going to want to be like done up. And so I have this, this butterfly clips might come back, dude. They might come back. (laughs) I mean, sure. Great. (laughs) I mean, I also feel like a lot of people are going to immerse themselves in comfort food television, a lot of which is from the nineties. So I think a Mm -hmm. lot of people are going to emerge from this quarantine thinking that that's okay again. Yep. They should. I love it. I mean, I'm it's I'm great. here for the weird parts and the butterfly clips and the random braids and all of those things. It's, it's been I mean, I love the '90s. My my whole soundtrack of my show is all '90s music, and everyone's like, "Why?" And I'm like, "Cause I want it to be." <laughs> yeah, the the pilot that I'm uh, developing right now takes place in '97. I'm I fully. I've heard 90s. very good things about this pilot, by the way. Uh, well, I would, I would, <laughs> thank you very much. Um, so to to pivot to Julie and Sean for a second. Uh, Julie Wait, can we say? Can I say one more thing about the haircut? Please. Why does she have bare feet in a hair salon? <laughs> there is a long, long shot of her bare feet yes. as she's getting yes. her haircut. Yes. And I am so upset about this. It's gross. It kept me up all night. <laughs> <laughs> it's gross. Like, put some it shoes was gross. on. It was gross. It's gross now. It was gross then. <laughs> Uh, what are you you're she's not get she's not like in her bath i remembered the barefoot the bare feet shot and then when i was watching the show and she went to an actual hair salon i was like did i get that bare feet shot was that like stuck in my head 
because I, in my mind, she was like in her bathroom at the yeah. dorm cutting her hair. And even then, pretty gross to not be wearing gross. shoes, get some yeah. shower shoes. But she is barefoot at this hair yeah. salon. And it's such a like, that's what I mean when it's like the, a director makes a choice and it's like, oh, the light is cool. We're going to have her beautiful, like dainty little bare feet dangling. And I'm just like, no, it's gross. How dare you? That should have been the outrage. That should be the iPhone <laughs> notes apology. We're very sorry about the haircut because yeah. of the bare fucking feet. <laughs> anyway, that's. I also I can't believe that Felicity, <laughs> Felicity refers to it as the hair cutting place. Yeah, that's true. It was very weird. Uh, the hair cutting place, but she's Felicity, so it's like very strange. But she's Felicity, so we don't question it. Um, I yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, at this point in the episode, basically, Felicity uh, agrees to compromise herself, basically, for Ben. And they decide to go to Bryant Park, and he stands her up, as you mentioned. And that, to me, is the breaking point. That was when I was like, fuck Ben. Like, the sad just, sandwich. It's, it's, it's awful. Um, but yeah. then you also have Gretchen saying to Felicity, um, I respect you because you would never compromise yourself to be with a guy. Mm-hmm. Which is the moment when Felicity's like, I hate myself and I have to dump in, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, and, and, you I know, love that and, Gretchen and, and, says, Gretchen says, oh, don't be mad. I took your advice for like a couple of hours. <laughs> I love that well, one. Her, her, her makeover made me so sad. I know. It, it, it was really, it really looks painful. It's kind of, <laughs> but um, so just to, to to wrap up on the Sean and Julie stuff, this is the beginning yeah. of the Sean having a crush on Julie storyline, um, which she doesn't pick up on. He gives her the her half of the money from the party, which is seven hundred dollars. To which she says, "I didn't even make seven hundred dollars all summer," and I'm just like, "What were you doing? What Julie? were you doing, Julie?" <laughs> You like busking? Like, what were you doing? <laughs> but anyway, um, so he gives her the money and says, hey, we make a good team. Like, we should do more things together. And, of course, goes right over her head. She doesn't mm-hmm. pay any attention to it. He's so um, friend-zoned. And it's really he's sad. So, so friend-zoned. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's sad, too, because it feels like – and I'm, I'm curious as to your thoughts on this. You, you have a big cast on your show, and you got a lot of, quote-unquote, mouths to feed. You've got a lot of storylines you need to give all of your characters. And it's hard. Right to make sure that everyone's getting enough. <laughs> sure, um, but on top of enough, you need to make sure that it's stuff that is good. I mean, that you're ha- that the actors are happy with and that you're happy with. And it feels like the show never fully knew what to do with Julie. Yeah. Um, she just always felt like a round peg in a square hole. And in this season, you really see it because they basically don't give her anything to do through most of the season. Um, what are your feelings on how to sort of manage a large cast? Um, I mean, we run into those things a lot in that we, you don't want a person who's like a series regular on your show to just be an obstacle in someone else's storyline. You don't want to, you know, isolate somebody, satellite story them is what you call it is like when, when somebody has a love interest, but the, but, or whatever, but that story is not connected to the rest of the, the story, you know, you satellite them. The, the trick that I kind of, developed on the originals Hmm. was that you want to rotate it so that the people that are sort of at the bottom of the call sheet, like the Julie's, you want to connect their storylines to the people at the top of the call sheet. And that's the way to, to keep them involved and, and avoid the problem of they're just floating off in the distance going like, 
the idea that like Julie meets a couple of guys and goes on a couple of dates in this episode and we don't see any of those guys or see, or like that would never happen with Felicity. Yeah. Felicity would never be like, Oh, I went on some casual, two casual dates in a row and we just missed them. Um, and so the, my trick as a writer is to keep connecting them to the top of the call sheet. So, um, you know, That's on smart. our show, we make sure that, that Kyle has stories with Liz and then, you know, bringing them up and, um, but it, it can be hard, especially on a show like this, I think where it's like the, you know, I get, I'm, I'm lucky. Cause my, on my show, we have a hospital, we, we have a doctor, we have a cop, we have a scientist, we have a, you know, sure. and so there's sure. always a lot of, and, and also they're aliens. So there's always a lot <laughs> going on for right. people to be involved in and for people to have, have reasons to, to be committed to things. Whereas, you know, something like this, I can imagine it would be really hard because in college, if you want to tell a story about a, a girl and her relationship, the best friend just becomes the, the voice in their ear. Yep. Um, and especially as they sort of like, as Elena's um, importance to the show rose as, you mm-hmm. know, as it should have <laughs> probably a long time ago. Yep. Um, yeah. Julie, Julie got sort of pushed off to the side. Um, but I don't know. I felt like they never defined her that well. Like, they didn't. I never uh, understood yeah. what was different about her and special about her. And that was probably the, the big mistake. I mean, I think that they wanted her to be kind of a Swiss army knife, right? Which is they wanted her mm-hmm. to kind of fit in whenever they needed her to. Um, she yeah. starts off being an antagonist because she gets to be with Ben. And then by the end of season one, she's angry at Felicity because Felicity gets to be with Ben. And, and you know, part of it too, I think, to, to your uh, initial point about connecting to the top of your call sheet Ben, when when Felicity breaks up with Ben, he really becomes a satellite character. I mean, he's off having sex with Terry Polo through most of season two, and uh, he's you know he's just kind of off on his own stories, which means that the people that are most connected to him, which is Julie and Sean, they yeah, kind of become they satellite characters. Too. Yeah. So it's 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 just it's it's to your point. Um, it's it's tricky when your show's called Felicity. Everyone needs to be a part of Felicity's life, and if they're not, mm-hmm. what are they? Yeah. That, that said, I think, I do think that like they probably could have, you know, put a, had a rooming with them earlier on or whatever. And, but then we would have lost Megan and we don't want to lose Megan. So I I do think though, that that's kind of why Megan's character became elevated later on is because Mm -hmm. she was in Felicity's orbit for longer than, you know, it didn't matter what Felicity's choices were. Mm -hmm. Megan was always in her orbit, no matter what the choices were. Well, Karina, thank you so much for doing this. I really, thank really you. appreciate you coming on, and I hope that you'll come back. I have one more thing I want to talk about. Please. <laughs> um, you read, you read, you read so much. <laughs> stuck in here. You got me all stuck. day, buddy. Um, you you read most of Felicity's quote to Ben at the end of the, mm-hmm. the episode. but I did. Not the part that was the part that I was like, oh, no, please don't say this. And I watched her say it. However, 15 years ago when I first watched the show, but mm-hmm. she says, one day you're going to wake up and you're going to realize what you missed and it's going to be too late. And <laughs> I, that's the moment where I was like, your speech went too far, Felicity. <laughs> you were so on. You, you nailed it. You just like, yeah. you really just got to the heart of who he is. And then you got arrogant. And it's like, you walked away while you were ahead. Oh, you should have quit your head and remind me of um, yeah. in the Dawson's Creek pilot. Pacey says to his teacher, yeah. I'm the best sex you'll never have. And it's like, really? Cause you're 16. Are you? <laughs> and that's kind of what this feels like is she's just uh, like, she, she, after an episode of like insecurity, she suddenly is like, 
you're going to miss me, motherfucker. <laughs> and it, to me, I was like, no, no. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I just had to mention that one. No, I, I, I just, it's so funny you say that because as I was watching it, I was like, fuck yeah, like this is great. Yes. And then it's, it, she tips it. And on some level, <laughs> the, the tip is kind of believable. Like it is believable. Oh, it's, it's so be- felicity. But yeah. It's so felicity. Yeah. It's so felicity. It's so, yeah. this is yeah. the girl who chased a boy across the country because <laughs> he wrote something nice in her yearbook. This is like, you know what I mean? Like there yeah, you yeah, go. Yeah. There, she, yeah. oh, there she is. Yeah. Like, yeah. but. But I just had to mention it because no, I, just, I appreciate you mentioning it. It's true. Up in the fetal position while I watched, I was like, no. <laughs> well, I hope that she'll come back and talk about, hopefully, talk about Roswell with us. I'd love to talk about the I pilot of the original yeah. Roswell, yeah, um, and do Dawson's it. and all sorts of things. But I, I really appreciate you coming on, and and this was this was great. Let's talk about let's talk about Roswell. I bet I could get my uh, my buddy Jason Bear to join us too. That'd be that'd be amazing. I would love that. He's also locked up in quarantine and bored <laughs> out of his mind. So Every, everyone. Is. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, well, thank you again. Thank you. This is super fun. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999. Podcast like it. You want a podcast like it? 1999. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.